Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Transform Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Owens. Very, very uh, excited to be able to introduce you to the guest today, Mr. Colin Mooney. Colin, thanks so much for taking time out, man. I appreciate you being part of it. Hey, Brad. Uh, delighted to join and, and interested to to chat and connect again. It's been uh, a little while, I think a couple of months since we met at a conference uh, most recently, but uh, yeah, great and excited for your podcast. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. So I want everyone to understand kind of where your opinion's coming from and where your insight's coming from. So could you give everyone kind of the Reader's Digest background on Colin? Yeah, um, currently really excited about my new role in uh, staffing with EmployBridge, um, the largest U.S. Uh, commercial industrial staffing firm. Um, I, like anyone, probably have that how did you end up in staffing uh, journey story. Uh, most recently, I I learned uh, everything I know about staffing working with Robert Half as Chief Digital Officer, um, and I was on the professional staffing end of the spectrum there. And uh, previous to that, I worked with Salesforce uh, in one of their technology consulting teams. I think which is where I got exposed to talent acquisition and staffing in general, and the passion for improving experiences and building technology and understanding the, you know, the opportunities and the problems to be solved uh, that come with uh, hiring and being hired. Um, and throughout my whole career, uh, I've always worked in either technology building or product designing or problem solving. Um, you know, I've, I've done all sorts of things like working for a carpooling startup and uh, you know, figuring out how to get people from and to uh, work and, and you know, uh, connect people together. I think, like, there was a lot of synergies and similarities to staffing and recruiting there. I started my career building technology for tellers and banks. Um, again, I refer back to that now 20 years later a lot. Uh, the similarity between the high-volume activity of a bank teller in a branch and a recruiter uh, at least a professional recruiter is, uh, you know, strangely similar as well. So long story short, I love staffing. I love the problems and, and scale and volume that come with it. I'm passionate about the candidates, associates in particular. I love learning what others are doing. Uh, there's no doubt that there's lots of opportunity. Our, our industry, particularly in staffing, is not well known for digital and, and, and for amazing experiences. And I, I want to be part of the group that challenges myself and, and the companies I work for, but everyone really to raise the game. I think uh, getting hired and the experience of onboarding, whether it be directly with a company or with staffing firms, has just typically been known as hard um, and, and not ideal. So that's that's where my passion comes from. Really enjoy working with others. And uh, yeah, I, I never knew what staffing was and I never really understood it as an industry until uh, started working in it, but I love working in it now. And I don't know uh, if there'll ever be a time where we won't be busy trying to make it better. Yeah, because there's a lot of opportunity to do that. And to your point, when you mentioned the experiences, whether it's our talent, whether it's our recruiters, whoever's actually doing the job, uh, I feel like and I know you feel the same way. So I'm curious to get some opinions from you here. This is such a lagging industry with experiences. We have 
candidates that have to do so much manual work that have to come find the things that they want and then they apply and then they may not even get any sort of feedback on that. And when they're in the process, it's just a whole bunch of being in the dark. When I think about like just signing up for Spotify or anything else, it's so seamless. It's so easy. You get relevant stuff coming to you. Why isn't it that way in staffing? So I'm curious what you've seen over the past couple of years that's you know shocked you. I think my best first-hand exposure to what could it be that causes it to be less than ideal from an experience perspective is a most recent acquisition that EmployBridge uh, entered into with a company called Blue Crew. Um, and, and we've just closed on that uh, partnership and we're starting out on a journey together um, the Blue Crew team in its DNA has a start at the customer and work backwards approach. So they build and deliver a fully digital experience and they work backwards to what they describe to the manual systems. I think the, like, why is that different? I think most of staffing starts at what are the laws and regulations in every state. They design a process for the staffing firm to operate that and distribute it. Uh, to typically its branches or, or local um, uh, locations in all the states. And then it's just applied to or engaged to the uh, clients and candidates interact with it. So long story short, I think the experience was never designed for the customer. And I think that's the same with internal HR. Like I think you can you can possibly say that at any employer you've worked at, the internal HR technology looks like it was HR technology designed for HR, not really designed for the employees who have to sign up for annual uh, enrollment or check for a payslip or update you know information on their uh, personal record so uh, it's all about you know designing for those people who you're uh, going to be engaging with the candidates and the clients and I think the companies that are starting to do that well are reaping the benefits of it and it's really interesting that you mentioned the likes of Spotify like I definitely get inspired by really simple things like logging into an app on my TV now, the, the fact that they're smart enough to physically reference a QR code that I can scan on my phone. You know, I, I, I take inspiration for that and say like, wow, we've got thousands of candidates who go out on assignment for staffing firms. Could we be using physical location or the GPS in their phone to make some of the experience more relevant? Um, you know, so I know Colin has showed up at that location this morning. I don't need him to put in a pin. I don't need them to sign in or sign up. I don't need them to fill out anything. I know it's Colin and he's there right now because I've used the phone in his pocket or the QR code that he just scanned at that location and I know it to be secure. So um, yeah, it's about taking the best of the experiences out there and trying to package them back into the uh, services we offer. But uh, yeah, design it for the customer. I guess like you could have any number of companies telling us that that's a good idea if you look at the Amazons and Spotify's and others of the world. Yeah, well, you mentioned something there that reminded me of a story early on in my career that started me down the path of, oh, geez, we're not doing just the very basic things for our for our customers, which are our candidates or our talent. I had someone who was starting on their assignment there the very first day, and I sent them a text message like one minute before I knew that they were set to start. 
And he told me later, he said, you know, I got that when I was walking through the doors about to tell someone that I was there to start on my first day. And that made me feel so thought of. It made me feel so secure. And he was a candidate of mine for my entire career doing this. It's those little experiences that we're not thinking about because we're not designing for them. And you just mentioned the QR codes. If I'm thinking about how we used to, I don't know, clock into a job where you had this little card thing right beside where you needed to stamp your actual uh, time card that day. Has anyone done QR codes for, hey, I got here to my job. Now I need to sign out on my job and we don't need to do time and expense anymore. It's starting to evolve a number of different solutions, whether they're first party by staffing firms working with clients or product and tech companies who are solving for time, pay, bill, compliance, etc. Um, but it's a very interesting area. Like, I definitely think that's a huge area of opportunity. Like, what is the physical and environmental experience you get after the first moment of showing up on the first day for the first shift? Um, like a personal story for me, I worked at McDonald's in the late 90s. I would clock in and clock out with a physical plastic card. Um, you know, shifts were whatever length of shift they were. So if I was working nine to five, I could physically clock in at the back of the kitchen at 8.57. I might clock out at, you know, 4.57 as well. It's eight hour shift, but it was on a, you know, three minutes off the, the rounded hour. But I always wondered when we got our pay slips, I was like, someone's going in and editing and rounding these out because they know I didn't work three hours extra early. I was just at the back of the kitchen and on time. And I didn't go home three minutes early. I was actually finished my shift and someone took over for me and I worked the eight hours. And I always wondered having to do that on every single day, like, what's the point of this? I definitely think that's an area of opportunity, Brad, in hourly shift work um, in industrial and commercial if the providers of either our own technology as staffing firms or the providers of technology third party are allowed to manage time for the contingent workers on behalf of the clients, I think it would solve a lot. So we, we do encounter that, the whole industry does, like hundreds of different variations of um, time clock and, and time entry uh, methods out there. And the thought of integrating them all is... It's not that it's daunting, like it's a problem you could solve, but it's just not interesting. I think there's definitely something in there. And companies like Blue Crew and other third party vendors are talking to clients to say, like, there's a better way to do this. Like if we don't prescribe a specific way of operating um, per client, we can open up to easier, more standardized background checks, uh, simpler time recording or time entry of course, never ignoring the need to be compliant and acknowledging and looking after the the safety and well-being of the workers themselves and, and the workplaces that they're in. But yeah, time, physical experiences, QR codes, there's a lot that can be done to make everything better for clients or candidates. Yeah, there really can be. And I know you are a frequent frequenter of the events in the industry, and you're you're definitely a person that studies up on what everyone's doing. So instead of trying trying to boil the ocean, I know there's a, a whole lot of companies that I'm talking to, even people on this podcast. When we start into this conversation, there's just so much that we could do. 
Where do you feel like the true easy ROI exists in this industry? What are the things that we need to focus on first? Uh, if you abstract it back, and I'm glad you simplified the question because you could go into a hundred different topics. If you abstract it back, I particularly am obsessed with the thought of making things easier and faster. Um, in, in the first few years of studying the experiences around talent acquisition and hiring and being hired, things were difficult and complicated, uh, often confusing and took a long time. Like you, you hear these stories, like it takes like hours to onboard someone. Like there's not many experiences in your life now that takes hours. Um, and I think it's, it's that easy and fast mentality that just takes a look at, you know, what are we asking our customers to do, whether they are our clients or the candidates that we engage in? I think like in easy and fast, then you say, okay, so what do I take away from that? It's simplify. It's, you know, have, have the approach of building technology that allows you to create those experiences. So, you know, have databases and systems of record where someone can log into an account and not have to repeat uh, information that they supply to you, keep keeping customer records safe but evergreen so that you can, you know, repeat repeatedly engage with someone and, and have them access their information. Um, I think it is being careful to have that right balance between like compliantly doing good business but also creating good experiences for your customers. So again, paper forms, long packages of things to acknowledge and sign trying to reduce that as much as possible. And people are getting there. Like even in, in in the times that I have been either building stuff myself or looking at others, like people are getting to, you know, sign up to T's and C's digitally as you're, as you're creating an account instead of looking at pages and pages of PDFs later in the um, experience or only collecting data when it's needed. So, you know, splitting out this idea of registering a candidate before onboarding an employee. I think that's an important concept as well, that people have often bundled together and make it too much of a task. Again, long and hard, not easy and fast. Um, and I, I think there's also an acknowledgement that this is investment. Like it, it's not transformation. Um, you know, it, it, it's not transformation for just the sake of it. Like it definitely requires people to focus on uh, the experience. I, I think you can get away with it if you're very small specialist or, or local only. But if you're scaling a business, I think you definitely need to focus on the experience. But easy and fast is the is the thing that I would work on mostly in my mind as I'm thinking about anything um, for recruiters internally like it, it's a little bit different i think you've got to think about you know simplifying their roles and activities and and in order to make people successful i think it's about efficiency and and efficiency specifically in difference to the word productivity because people think like are you building software so they can make more calls or connect with more candidates i, I don't think that's specifically the goal i think it's making uh, staffing professionals more successful by allowing processes and experiences to let them choose what's the most valuable way to help uh, uh, customers. I also think like, 
for recruiters, I've used this analogy a lot of like they, they, they would be more successful if we create an environment where they become air traffic controllers instead of being pilots of every single plane. Um, and I don't know where or how to codify or write that down better. Someday I'm going to have to like explain that in a nicer way than I do, for example, today. But um, I, I do think it's possible for a single recruiter to assist many hundreds of candidates and clients if the technology allows them to connect. And I think that is similar to what has happened in banking. The, the ratio of bank employees to the number of customers that they help or enable has uh, been in a, like it, it has been made more um, re- it's, it's more reasonable for people to be able to to participate in you know customer success as opposed to like transactional uh, engagement so yeah th- those things are all topics I think about making things simpler easier and faster creating an environment where staff and professionals can be more successful instead of uh, maybe focusing too much on the productivity of the tools because th- those tools exist. So you struck a nerve when you said focus more like it's a customer support type role. When I started really digging into this stuff, that model spoke to me as well. It's more of a, uh, like, think about an amazing experience that you've had, whether it's a a purchase that you've had or a, a nice support experience or whatever it is, and then try and think about the person's name that helped you. It's probably going to be difficult to do that. but that relationship that you built with that organization, that's the important thing that you're going to go back and you know really pay attention to. And in our world, when you've got this crazy amount of turnover with recruiters, having that relationship with our organization is going to be way more important. And I feel like if we approach this from a more customer service type mentality, we open ourselves up to be able to create that company relationship better than you know the one-on-one transactional type things i i totally agree i think i i've seen it one or two things that i've been involved in where when the metrics and the objectives and the incentives for the recruiter persona is driven towards customer success and facilitation the turnover is totally different. You're you're talking average tenure in multiple years instead of in some uh, scenarios it being like an average of less than eighteen months in many uh, scenarios because it's a difficult job to a start into at all and b be successful at to the extent where you're meeting your goals or, or becoming rewarded in the level that you would want. So. Um, yeah, and that doesn't, like, as you were talking, I was like, I wonder, like, does that rule work for everything? I think that there there are certain elements where, you know, you have to be much more involved in the relationship, like permanent recruiting and permanent placement. Um, Very true. You would, you, you would hope the person remembers the name of the recruiter who assisted them either on the hiring side or getting placed. Um, mm-hmm. I think in temporary recurring it's it it's so high frequency and then the the recurring aspect of candidates potentially staying with a staffing firm or a marketplace or some of these apps that are more gig and, and flex oriented I, I think that uh you don't need to know who the name of the person is you you could say like i was well served by the name of the staffing firm or the marketplace or product that you're using so in in general i think it's 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 just natural 
allowing the role of the recruiter or staffing professional to evolve as the technology and experiences catch up and, and assist with it. Um, and, I, and I think the same with like, I, I, tra- I traveled a bit over the years. So, you know, working with airlines in 2022, I don't feel bad that I don't call the airline directly and I don't have that great conversation because I don't need to do it every time. But when I need to, they're there and I get great expert help for the, the few times that I need it. And I think that will be the response or the perception of our clients and candidates. When they need us and they call us, we'll be there with expert help. But for most of the time, we want to enable them to be successful on their own and be connected to the brand more so than connected to a single employee. Um, but I, I I agree with you. It is, it, it's definitely something that needs a lot more proofing out and more companies to be able to, you know, be, be the, the, the ones at the front of the line that can show others that the, the role can change and it won't impact or, or limit the, you know, the effect or impact that we have on our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So right now in your role and what you're working on now, and I realize this is still early days in yeah. what you've been doing. What do you feel like is making your job easier? Because I'll tell you while I'm asking why why you think about it. Um, I'm asking because there are a lot of people, I think, that although they are even going to stay at their current role, they are going to be faced with if they want to look at, hey, how are we going to make this thing easier? There's a whole lot that they're going to have to come up to speed on and come up to speed on quickly. They're going to have to look at processes they may not have looked at in a long time. They're going to have to sit beside people that they haven't sat with for a long time. What do you feel like is maybe a system or a process or something you're using right now that helps you to come up to speed quickly? I have started reading a lot in the last five to 10 years where when I was actually in school or in university, I didn't actually read a lot. And I, I read a lot of business or academic books that are helping me as a practitioner understand like what's happening out there. So I, I read a lot of like framework strategy pattern type books. Um, and, and when you put them into practical use, I think the answer to your question is what's making things easy out there is the, the, the growth of platforms now is helping a lot, to be honest. Like it, the, the IT architecture for building digital experiences is less fractured. I think a lot of CTOs, chief technology officers, or engineering leaders now can leverage cloud computing, leverage mobile, leverage the you know the the CRM, applicant tracking, marketing, and personalization technologies without having to spend their IP or core competency in building those things and really focusing on the potential to create a differentiated experience by leveraging those platforms and delivering on brand uh, to whatever the, you know, the specialty or IP you want to deliver. So I, I definitely think what's making it easier is I hardly ever encounter an issue now where I'm saying, I wonder what technology will we use, or I wonder what platform we leverage to, uh, you know, seize an opportunity or solve a problem. A lot of the time now I'm, I'm designing or trying to figure out like, what can I do to make something unique? Um, and it's funny, a lot of people say like, so what do you do? And, and it's a recurring pattern. It's like, 
online things to offline, manual things that get automated, and analog things that get digitized. And when you go from an offline analog world uh, to an online automated and digital world, uh, you, you, you get great you know, shift changes then uh, from it. So the easy bit is the existence of all these platforms out there, Salesforce, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, um, Oracle, and many others. And then most of the time, there's either a product or service provider that helps with things that are not even core to our industry. Uh, think a lot about payments and things nowadays. There's a lot of exciting things that will happen in the next few years where we, we won't be worried about sending people paychecks on paper or be limited to paying people on pay cards or, you know, it is, you know, pretty easy nowadays to connect a customer to their bank accounts um, and have direct deposits set up uh, quickly. But I do think there's going to be interesting uh, innovation in that specific area around Venmo and other, you know, digital wallets and things. So, uh, that's just one example, but we encounter that over and over. A lot of companies are solving problems on the edge of our service that help us plug and play uh, those in. But yeah, that, that's what helps. But the reading helps too. You can't just, you know, I, I think that's important. Like keeping up to date with what the best in class are doing um, is another thing. I keep a running list of kind of my my uh, my favorite tech companies. And my my four at the moment are Starbucks, Delta Airlines, Amazon and Home Depot. If you study those four companies, you'll understand, or maybe you won't, that's probably another podcast we can do, uh, <laughs> what they do, which is so similar to staffing and Home Depot and Starbucks, I'll just give those two quickly. Those two companies have done so well at ordering online or mobile or digital and fulfilling in the store. So ordering a cup of coffee and going to physically collect it or ordering a product and picking it up um, in the store in Home Depot where you can get it same day, real time, and I think that mix of like providing an excellent onboarding and ongoing digital experience with the mixture of and for staffing that's showing up to a worksite and performing a task or doing a long-term professional project and, and having regular frequency like submitting timesheets or getting paid. I, I study those companies all the time. I use their technology a lot. I physically walk into stores and look for things like the QR codes and any of the physical experience features that might inspire us. So um, yeah, reading looking for inspiration in other non-industry, um, you know, companies and, uh, yeah, keeping up to date for sure. And see, this is why I always enjoy conversations with you because that's why I had to start this podcast in the first place because no one's talking about it. Like, right. what? no one's talking about what's the next stuff. They're trying to solve what's on their plate. Like, there's not a lot of people out there that are thinking about what's the next thing. So I wanted to seek them out and talk to them and you were top on the list. So I appreciate you saying yes. Yeah. Uh, what's what do I need to add to my reading list then? What are the books to get? Um, so the four that I like literally have on my desk all day, every day is uh, Connected Strategy uh, okay. that has the subtopic of building continuous customer relationships for competitive advantage. That is a very great read that does talk about what does it mean like a Starbucks to stay connected with you in perpetuity all day, every day. Um so love that book. That has some great frameworks and patterns in there for anyone designing experiences. There's a psychology product design book uh, called Hooked, uh, How to Build Habit-Forming Products by Nir Eyal. 
Um, it's an amazing book that talks about triggers. So how would you keep engaged with someone and how would they react to, you know, personalized push notifications and the ability to customize an experience? Uh, so that's a great book. Um, fascinating about some of the examples and it will remind you why you check your social media so many times per day. It'll explain to you what, what the, uh, what, what the reason for that is. Um, Big picture strategy type transformation book, Zone to Win, Organizing to Compete in an Age of Disruption. That's from Jeffrey Moore, famous for Crossing the Chasm and other books like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's just fantastic for someone like me to be able to share with my peers the difference between, you know, transformation, like transforming a company rather than, you know, just renovation or, or innovation. I think uh, one of the important things they talk about is, is something really transformational if it's not of an opportunity size of like 10% of the revenue of the company or something. So typically <laughs> that's a way that I use internally to decide, is this a transformational project that I should be working on? Is it strategic or is it just part of building technology or keeping the company running? So a little bit like the run versus grow. Uh, and then the fourth book, which is uh, a book I've loved as I've worked in technology and product and learning about product management, which is um, inspired by Marty Kagan, who a, is a famous product leaguer. He runs the Silicon Valley product group, uh, How to Create Tech Products Customers Love. And again, this is just like fundamentals for anyone involved in building technology and product about uh, how to understand what people need or desire in solving a problem or taking an action and how to carefully craft uh, product design and solutions such that it really does solve the problem. But more than that, does it in a way where someone would say, I love using that product compared to its competitors or compared to what didn't exist before. So those four books, uh, I'll admit, I flick through them a lot and I pull quotes from them and I highlight my uh, favorite tasks in them. But Every single role, like in my latest role, there's a new uh, requirement to be more conscious of change management as we're rolling out transformation. I'm reading all sorts of change management books and articles at the moment from scratch. I'm connecting with former colleagues who actually run change management functions or teams. So uh, staying connected with people, reading um, is important. And they're the, they're the books I currently have on the desk. There you go. Well, if anyone needed more of a reason to continue listening to the podcast, I think you just gave them one. <laughs> yes. Stay up with what everyone's doing. That's exactly why I wanted to do this one. All right. Uh, so what else do we need to know? I want to be conscious of your time here. I've already taken up a half hour. So uh, what else do we need to know? What else is on your mind? What else is what's the industry changing? What does it need to change? We talked about experience. Is there anything else top of mind? I mean, I mean, me personally, like New Year's resolution, I would like to whiteboard on a blank whiteboard without just executing on a strategy or delivering on a plan that I've, that I've already been working on. I'd love to look at what's next to the point where I don't think there's enough physical experience considered in the technology and services and solutions that we as an industry offer. I do think we're all underutilizing uh, the potential of some of the newer technologies. So, you know, AI famously in recruiting has been used for, um, you know, matching engines and uh, recommending um, jobs to people, but I'd love to see what other possibilities are out there 
Um, in particular, I think a lot of companies in the staffing industry focus a lot on the first placement of a candidate or the filling of each job. But I don't think we, any of us, do a good job at reutilizing and replacing candidates. The idea that you can sign up to and persist on a relationship, whether it be a platform, a marketplace, or with a staffing firm, I don't think we're doing well as an entire industry there. And that might be an orthodoxy where we're trying to fill jobs only or we're trying to get a candidate for a job, but we're less focused on or we're less tenured or mature, I guess, in our practices as an industry on can I keep that candidate on assignment? There are good individuals who do that naturally, but I, I think that's it. Like maybe uh, spending more time uh, focusing on like the real innovative bleeding edge uh, stuff. But it, it goes back to the very beginning of our conversation. There's so much catch up that the industry is doing. We're solving or recreating solutions to old problems like capturing time and getting people compliant and paying people and onboarding, et cetera, connecting with them. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that we're we're in a time now where we can get into those really interesting uh, things and ultimately make people's jobs and lives better. Like there are actual like roles out there where people are physically needing to be in a physical location or we've got people performing tasks that are actually like I'm trying to think of like, you know, in, in the world of commercial staffing, like we've got physically got people on site managing the workforce. I think like those jobs could be um those jobs could be, you know, evolved to where you don't need to be physically there to manage other people's work or clock people in or out or supervise or monitor people. I think there are ways to uh, create better experiences with, with what we have available. But yeah, maybe it's just some time to go wild with no prescription or, you know, a- any uh, particular path to take and just pick some problems that we know are important out there and, you know, go wild with them. I think that is interesting to just, you know, not, not knowing much about staffing. I always love getting new colleagues to work with who have come from outside staffing. I love the different perspectives that they bring. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. more time to do the cool things. <laughs> you said two things that resonate. Um, the thinking about how far behind we are from other industries that have solved for these things long, long ago. Like everyone to me, what, what two of my personal pet peeves, one, everyone's like, oh, the ATS will solve everything. And then no one tracks any information in it. And then no one uses it. And they're not making it easy for their recruiters. Salespeople have solved this years ago. What are you doing? Like, this is not that difficult. And then you also mentioned keeping a relationship with someone so that you can have repeats uh, placements. Why then is all of our matching engines, the top ones in the world right now, just focused on keywords? Like, that does nothing. If they added one thing, just a rating from the hiring manager they sent them out to, one thing, it would totally change the game. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think there's a lot that we can do with just a little bit of investment. So maybe we'll have a second podcast on us riffing on that stuff. But that sounds like fun. Uh, but thank you so much, Con. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, where would you like people to find you if they have uh, any kind of questions? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Colin Mooney, uh, in, in, working at EmployBridge. And uh, yeah, good luck with the podcast. I'll be listening uh, to the episodes, eager to learn from uh, the peers. And if we come up on anything interesting, we'll, we'll give you a shout and, and come back and connect. But uh, yeah, loved the time. Thank you.
Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate it. And if anyone wants to hear any of the rest of the episodes, it's at transformrecruiting.com. Feel free to email me directly. Hello at bradowens.com. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one.